Welcome to episode 109 of Tactical Crouch Kick Tripod. Volamel and Yiska here with special guest, really special guest. This is actually a first, I think, first timer. We don't have a lot of first timer guests anymore on the show. COO of Gen G and the Soul Dynasty. It's Arnold Her. Arnold, welcome to the show. Good to see you. Thank you uh, for coming on, man. Dude, great to be here. Super excited. Uh, yeah, I've always watched your show, uh, and yeah, I've always wanted to like feel like always wondered like what it's gonna be like to be on a show like this. So I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it. <laughs> pretty Sweet. underwhelming, I agree. Yeah, it's like <laughs> oh, never mind. They have no idea what they're doing. Uh, it's just one of us. Just one of us. Yeah. So uh, hey, everybody, welcome to 100 episode 109. Big thank you to everybody who's hanging out. And uh, I don't know if we just lost the stream or not, so sorry if we did. It says we're offline on Twitch. If we are still online, hi. No idea why that might have happened, and hopefully it fixes itself. If you like the show, go to patreon.com slash tacticalcrouch and support the show, as well as follow us on Twitter at tactical underscore crouch, and join us Mondays and Wednesdays at noon, twitch.tv slash kicktripod, or find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash tacticalcrouch, and that's new. So you should definitely come hang out for that. Let's get into the interview brought to you by our patron producers. Oh man, this is so long. <gasps> Battlecrab Pin Lotion, Charlie L Audio Compass, Porkchop Sammy, Kasha67, Kuchikopi, Shara Picasso, Nathan, Your Misery, Hunter Tane, Refine Bean, Rex Zane, Roger B, Fabled Steven, Owen. Hey. Thank you guys so much. You, you're making it's much it, longer now. You're making Thanks, it real guys. tough on me. Making it real <laughs> tough on me, but uh, we did it. Thanks for being here, chat. Thank you to our patron producers. Let's go ahead and get started with the show. And uh, Arnold, before we like ask you any like in-detail questions, can you tell us just a little bit more about your role and responsibilities with the with the Dynasty and Genji? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm the COO. Uh, so underneath me, both for Genji and Soul Dynasty, is kind of like all our competitive operations. So, you know, I'm getting the calls from the investors when we lose, <laughs> like, hey, why did we lose? Um, <laughs> but also kind of our business operations and our marketing staff. So uh, kind of get to see both worlds, you know, have my feet in both on the competitive side, but also really on the business side, which is kind of obviously like more my background and stuff. Okay, very cool. Um, Joe, can I throw you under the bus now? Can Here I we go it? for it. Can I Shoot. do it? Or yes, can you yeah, want to throw him under the bus? I will put on the clown mask. Which one? Who gets to throw him under the bus? Who gets to throw him under the bus? <laughs> if you want, I don't want to take it from you, but I, let, I would. Let me let me tee it up. You can hit it out of the park, and then we'll make Joe feel sure. it. How's, how about that? So yeah, let's if, do it. Amazing. Uh, if you've been reading any of Joe's articles, which you should, because they're incredible, uh, and they're I I only read two different writers, and one of them is not Yiska, so. I'm just kidding. Yes, guy, read your articles too. He was so hurt by that. Um, is uh, he posted a speculative article about profit and uh, consistency, work ethic, uh, 
something along those lines. And well, uh, I, it led to Arnold coming on the show. It's forty chess right there. It's all part of the plan, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so basically, what we do is we write content that offends the COOs of organizations yeah, yeah. to bait them onto <laughs> the show. Get we get them in the cage. <laughs> Uh, and Yiska, I'll let you take the second half. Okay. To to be fair, I will also say I was the one editing this piece, and there's a thing where you gotta check your bias at the door. Where Joe wrote a profit piece that didn't describe him as a pr pristine astral being, which of course didn't sit well with me. Mm. But of, you you gotta you gotta go there. Um, and let it slide every once in a while, let other op opinions breathe. I agree that, like, also, of course, and that should is also on me as an editor, the way we talked about it previous, or, or in the pitch, and, like, just as a comment, sort of, like, changed the way I read the article, which was not necessarily that you made a comment towards the actual work ethic mm. of Profit, but the intensity to which he plays in the respective games and more like a commentary of the actual output that he had in the games. And even I even disagreed with that because I always felt Prophet was actually quite consistent up until season three. Sure. Um, where uh, I think I can only ever uh, remember like five bad matches uh, hmm. Prophet had in season one and season two. Yeah. And even now... Most of the bad matches are actually like the, as I recall them are simply down to profits not f looking comfortable on echo mm. or i mean it's it's not only on the player but also like playing echo with the team, whatever that means right sure. so in that regard, um that was also my bad, but yeah. Actually, very good uh, insight then from Jonald on uh, on Twitter saying that at least in in the um, in the effort that Profit puts in, it couldn't be possibly be further from the truth, right? <laughs> yeah, I, it was really funny because somebody was like, "Yo, Arnold, like, um, uh, like they're saying like how it obviously I understand like that's not the intention or like yeah. you know where the article was going, but like." How it, how I found out about it was like somebody sent me like a, a cacao, which is like a WhatsApp of mm. like Korea, being like, "Yo, uh, they're saying profit is lazy in an article." And I was like, mm. "What? There's no way." I was like, "There's no <laughs> way," because like yeah. I was like, "Dude, I'm sure you read it wrong." This is like obviously like um like our our output in terms of our wins or our losses or our performance. Yeah, for sure. Like rag on us, talk about mm. us. Uh, fair game, but then. I was like, wait, Profit's the hardest working dude on our team? <laughs> so I was like, where could this like possibly have come from, mm. right? Mm. Um, so it was kind of a softball thing where I was like, all right, well, I, I, asked, I asked him. I, uh, no, I asked him, like, yeah, just what does Profit think about this? He's just like, he's kind of annoyed by it, but he's, he's like, whatever, because he knows it's not true. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, I, I was like, well, you know what? You know, I got to do my job and, uh, right. and talk about, like, why it's wrong, right? And, like... Look, there's been a ton of other players, not a ton, but there's definitely been players that have come through our system mm. uh, in Overwatch League or a bunch of other titles that we're in that were, yeah, like, maybe they're not as hardworking, right? And even though they're like really talented, right? And maybe that's like their downfall, right? Sure, but sure. Uh, I was like, out of all of them, Profit's the exact opposite. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, 
him struggling on Echo or not getting the same output as like the really good players, like that's one thing. But then mm. like being the hardest working dude and then within the scene in Korea where everybody knows he's one of the hardest working dudes. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where I was like, all right, well, we got to say something. But now it worked out. I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe, how do you what feel is... knowing that Prophet read that article? How do you feel? How do you feel? Uh, it how doesn't do you... really sway me either way, to be completely honest. It was never, it was never like attacking his character. No, it was it never wasn't. attacking his career. But it was, it was to highlight this idea or, or this, this kind of narrative that he kind of rises to the occasion. Like he could be more. Not that he actively chooses not to, but he just doesn't apply himself, something like that, which obviously now, knowing that he uh, is so respected in, in his work ethic, it's just not true at all. Yeah. But through through the the what I can see through, you know, his career and his resume, it, it seemed like he always came alive in these, you know, high pressure situations, which could still be the case. But it's maybe again poorly framed on my part instead of a negative way we could have i could have spun it in a positive yeah. way I, well i think you framed it really well on the show last week where we we sure. discussed the actual intent on it and i feel bad because i i've <laughs> i'm just joking because i think the situation is funny i thought the article was a really interesting like alternate look of like we don't get especially and um Arnold, I'm sure you know this, like the the Western like content creators don't get a ton of access mm. to any of the uh, teams there. So there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of like kind of yep. narrative drawing to it. And I yep. think um, like honestly, my only note, I think for like the article itself would have been just like, how do we how do we make sure that people understand that this is speculative, even though it's obviously speculative once you like look at it and once you have just kind of it's kind of like a what if scenario and right, 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 instead right, right. i feel like people all of a sudden took it like joe's just like yeah profit's lazy this is the only thing that makes sense and like well and that <laughs> obviously wasn't it at all so i feel bad uh, well, no. for, for throwing honestly like a little bit. i actually prefer that uh he wrote the article because like at the end of the day i think i said this too on twitter mm. like at least somebody's talking about us right like and like I agree with you. Like, there's not enough voices from the both the league and the team side, right? Because you know the players can only say so much, and the coaches can only say so much. Because yeah, oh yeah, we'll work harder. You know, sorry for the loss, or course, yeah. thank you, we'll work harder, <laughs> or GGWP. Like, yeah. you know, they have like the lanes that they have to deal mm. with. They have to maintain their brand, and you know, um, mm. be wary of the fans that can just attack you and stuff. So I get it, but that that also means that you know. Uh, on orgs on the league as well they gotta do a better job of like just showing up to stuff like this right and like talking about it and mm -hmm. you know mm. i would rather have more debates about these kind of things and other topics right and that's fun that's interesting right like i watch so much like uh like first take or uh, you know and, and these kind yeah, of things yeah, yeah. Or, or uninterrupted with like lebron james um that kind of stuff is like that's what gets the hardcore fans excited and i i actually agree there's not enough meat for hardcore fans right now to like mm. engage on and like argue about, you know, and like mm. say you you suck, you're wrong, and like mm. we need more of that, less, you know, not less. So I'm I'm happy we're I'm happy it came out. I'm glad that you know accidentally poking the bear obviously led to you in the show and also gave us you know kind of a a, a nice insight into you know how profits viewed in South Korea yeah. and you know his his uh, his stake in in the Overwatch space. So 
Do you yeah, even I didn't know, know Silver Linings. I didn't know they called him Upshin, like the Overwatch god. Like, I didn't know they called him that. That was pretty cool. I learned something, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> Is, um, do you have any insight, like, how... Um, so, for instance, players, I think, like, Violet, they're just, like, dominating the ladder, right? Just have, like, X mm -hmm. amount of counts in the top 10. Is Prophet someone like that? Or does he have, like, just, like, a smurf that nobody knows? Or um, No, he, he grinds a lot right mm -hmm. so you know everybody has like multiple accounts mm -hmm. uh and like within the scene like everybody knows who's who right mm -hmm. or they're like i think it's that guy yeah. um it's very similar to league actually so league of legends like basically everybody has a bunch of smurf accounts so that you know it makes it harder for other teams to look at the history mm -hmm. of, of the player right uh and what they're practicing that's actually an interesting point because like especially We've seen it a little bit in CS, where we have now, because of Astralis, to talk about burnouts and whatnot. Um, and for Astralis, I think they are a special case who actually put in the same amount of work that you would see from esports like League and like, uh, yep. like Overwatch. Do you have an insight into like how Overwatch practice times, especially also for the individual, compare to the, to the other uh, scenes? Like, for instance, for League of Legends, or, like, is there anything where you had to actually, like, maybe limit it in some way, or had to sort of, like, work around it, get performance coaches in so it stays productive, or any, anything in that department of topic? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, with hero pools, you definitely have to grind more. Like, every week is, like, it's like a brand new game, and you got to figure stuff out right mm -hmm. uh so i'm glad that they made the change recently um so i would say it's comparable to league um but at certain times it's a little bit more draining than league of legends practice right because mm -hmm. there's two factors right so all this is when, I, when you talk to the pros like they tell you one grinding overwatch is way more tiring than grinding league right mm -hmm. League, you have like the beginning, you're just CSing, right? Nobody's, you know, mm. you know, you got like downtime, right? Um, versus Overwatch, right? You, you jump in and you're like, all right, you got it. Like every single freaking thing matters and it's like super intense. So the intensity in, in the number of hours that you have to put in is really high. Uh, mm. But now with Hero Pools, the number of hours oftentimes starts bleeding even higher because you're, you almost feel like you have to like learn something new you're not like digesting something you've already learned if that if that makes sense right mm -hmm. so you're like what is this what is this you don't have the answer it's more like you have to go find the answer and then try to practice the answer um versus in league like you know what patch you're playing on you yeah. know what the hit pick band strategy is and you know like roughly the pool that of characters that you need to play and you'll be okay right um mm -hmm. you know with a few pocket picks here and there so mm -hmm. The number of hours often is a, is longer for a more intense game, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think there was a real grind to it, right? Um, and, you know, it's it, it was really, I think it was tough, but what was nice was that, you know, everybody's home in, in uh, Seoul. Even when they were in L.A., like, you know, everything was taken care of because L.A. is another home base. Uh, I can't imagine if we had gone through this kind of hero pool system with travel. That would have been a disaster. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, talking I mean, about burnout, it's... 
Yeah. The, the one thing I do have to say is, uh, and we hear this from the CSGO guys too, they basically say that like, now that you don't have the highs of playing LAN, mm, yeah. you kind of, in back mm. of your head, you're like, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, like that gnaws yeah. at you. So that yeah. also contributes where you're like, you don't have that like, I know why I'm doing this kind of mm. moment. Yeah. It's like you, you like win and you're just, I'm still here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird. It's sort of like you're back in contenders, but the numbers on your bank account are higher. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you so. do you think that the tournament structure that we saw with like the May Madness and now we have the Summer Showdown kind of helps with that, like the stakes and the just like, I know why I'm here. I know why I love this game for the players. Is it kind of providing some sort of is injecting some of that optimism? Yeah, look, I, that format makes a hell of a lot more sense, right? Like, um, I mean, there's diff very different views within the league, so I can't speak for the league, but for mm -hmm. me personally, this tournament system is way better, right? Mm -hmm. Because it gives you something exciting to think about, right? It's not like, okay, there's another match. Should I watch it? Should I not watch it? It's more like, all right, this is the thing I'm going to mark on the calendar among yeah. all the other entertainment options that I have, right? Like, um it was quarantine time, so I was playing Red Dead for the first time and finally got some time for it, right? Like, yeah. how, you know, if I look at all the entertainment options that are at my fingertips, I need things that's like spike higher for mm. me to, for it to draw attention, especially if you're like young, right? I'm, I'm 35, like, I can't even imagine if you're like 16 and like, you know, like, you know, have a short attention span. Like, One Piece is on Netflix now, man. Like, what are you... <laughs> One Piece is hard, man. Look, I, there's like what so many episodes, there's like, like eight hundred some odd episodes. Yeah, like, and I'm like, look, I'm, I, I think I, I stopped at like five hundred. Like, yeah, I'm no. gonna watch four hundred episodes, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty three um, is rough. when you catch up. So yeah, exactly. yeah, look, I've been a proponent of the tournament system since day one, right? And, and not mm. everybody agreed with me, but I'm glad we're moving towards that system. I think it makes a hell of a mm. lot more sense. It's a lot more flexible. Uh, if people think like coronavirus is or covid is only a, a this year this summer thing they're wrong like this we're gonna see a resurgence next year too right like so having a more flexible system that people can get more excited about that the players can get more excited about that's big but in terms of answering your question it still doesn't scratch that land itch yeah right playing in front of a crowd has got to yeah, do something to like you, a rock you know? star right yeah, yeah. to to which degree do you believe in the tournament system? Would you would you ever go only tournaments and then have a, a like a, a scoring system based on that? Like like maybe more like CDL? Um, I kind of view more like uh, I, I like to see it. I I wish it was more CS:GO like, but with less like stuff. Right? Like CS:GO is insane. There's so many tournaments and qualifiers that mm. you don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. And very many different systems with like Swiss and GSL. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then roster changes happen, and then HLTV mm -hmm. rankings happen, and then you're just like, it's very complicated, you know. Mm -hmm. But like, I I think having more tournaments makes a lot more sense. Um, I I could imagine one where maybe you have like hybrid system, you know, um, where you could have like more smaller matches or qualifying matches, kind of similar mm -hmm. to the way we did May. Right, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and then figure out the right circuit for it. But obviously, like, I don't know how many like big tentpole events you want to have. It really depends on a lot yeah. of a more logistics factors. But you need some like one thing at least. Like you need worlds, right? Of yes. like 
yeah. putting it all together. Like, I think that makes a ton more sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's more exciting. Uh, and I, for me, long term, what I want to see, and we haven't really seen this in any esport, is like I want the publishers to step up and like really support these major moments, right? Um, so I've always been a big proponent of, you know, like we have a contenders team from the start. Um, and, and there's a couple of things that I think are needed. One, the publisher should be making, whether it's custom skins or custom sprays or whatever it is for every major tournament, right? I think that should be necessary. So I don't know, but there's a lot of constraints on that side, right? Okay. With, you know, resources and all that kind of stuff. But like whatever can get the entire engine moving towards saying these are our big moments for the year. Mm. I'm a proponent. I'm a proponent for that. So I don't know how many that is, mm-hmm. but I think it's more of a tournament type structure than it is like a regular season structure. Um, and then number two, so I have a crazy idea. I would love to float it with you guys. You guys can debate it. I want to Let's see. Go. I want to see tournaments um, where you bring in the top. Cont- you have a qualifying tournament for the contenders teams to be able to play yeah. into those Aww. same tournaments. I'm already sold. Some would that be right? Yeah. It would be sick. Wait, yeah. wait. The problem is, what do you do if, like, for Gen G, like, Soul Dynasty plays yeah, Gen yeah, G? Yeah. Like, what there happens then? Problems, you got to figure yeah. that out. You got to figure that out. But that's, that, that to me, especially because is the there's dream. seven judges <laughs> or worse at some point. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I, I, um, uh, I, I'm, I like to think of myself as like leaning towards like chaotic good, even mm, though yeah. I'm probably more like lawful neutral. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, like I actually am just waiting for that to happen, just to see a top seeded Overwatch League team choose a league team as a component over the contenders team mm. that's mm. the drama i want to see yeah that's yeah. the drama do, that's the spice i want to see like what does that say like do you think that that would ever happen just from the sense of like what and i'm sorry to throw boston under the bus here but like we'll just say a boston like team um you know who probably is below um, a good chunk of contenders teams. All of a sudden, I'm not sure if million... that's true anymore. But yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right with Punk and all that kind of Say stuff. So, Washington, then we were the, yeah. So yeah. justice, okay, justice <laughs> or next, uh, a Justin esque te- justice esque team um, is like. I mean, teams played or paid, you know, a lot of money for the slots. We don't get into like specific numbers, obviously, but uh, paid a lot of num- money for those slots. So then to have them devalue their brand by losing to Teams that are not like you know, it, it's don't lose. It, they, they yeah, don't. man, dude. Winners <laughs> win, losers lose, don't right? Lose, <laughs> I, you know, what's funny is like you know, I, I think um, I, I try to be like very good about like taking care of people, taking care of our players, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm extremely competitive, like everything, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just built that way. So like, yeah, then don't have a losing team, right? Like, yeah. sorry. That's, yeah. you know, that's what happens, right? Like, so, mm. and look, at some point, we're going to have, you know, a, a really bad down year, right? Like, we've had mm-hmm. years, even in League of Legends, yeah. where we were close to relegation. That sucked, but it forced us to get better, right? Mm-hmm. So, so to me, it's like, yeah, let, let's let that happen. Did it right? $20 million uh, suck? <laughs> by the way... By the way, I don't know if um, what the support is like. I haven't really socialized the idea, but like it's just, it's just like my personal pet idea that I have. So sure, it's like, yeah. I just gotta say, I'm speaking for myself as Arnold, not as like a you <laughs> of know, course, league yeah. guy. You know, 
Um, that's actually quite interesting. Like to the very beginning, you said that you you're the guy that gets the calls when your team's not winning. Is winning <laughs> actually a huge uh, aspect business wise in in your business strategy and actually in your bottom line? Or could you theoretically, because pr franchise leagues don't have relegation, mm. there's there's some sharing going on. Could you like? Is there not a way where you just like maybe have a marketable team and have a better bottom line that way? Um, yes. You. You mean if you think about it historically, like if you look at even the Los Angeles Clippers, right? The mm -hmm. old Los Angeles Clippers, not the not the new one. Um, you know that's what that was what their strategy was. They were actually one of the most profitable organizations in the NBA, right? Mm. But. I personally don't believe that builds franchise value. Like mm. the thing that I love about our organization and many other esports organizations that you know we're in close touch with, is that they know that the differential between the Manchester Uniteds of the world and a team that I don't watch soccer. I call it soccer, so you know I don't really understand it very well. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, is huge, right? Or or the yeah. the Lakers and and the bottom team is huge, right? So. Mm. Us as an organization, even though we haven't, still have not had the competitive success that we are striving for, but like the fact that we're striving for it and that everybody, including our investors and our board, are aligned towards that direction, um, I think that is for us really exciting because it allows you to recruit better people, right? Like nobody wants to be like, yeah, I just want to be a free rider, just post memes all day kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, the LCS approach. Um, <laughs> but um, I think that's what I get excited about. But I also think there could be done, there could be more done. So, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why there's more franchise value in the Lakers, like, you know, RIP Kobe, um, is, uh, is that there's like revenue opportunities because you build a brand, because you win, right? Mm. And I always say, like, how could there be more of those things in game? Right? How could mm. we really encourage teams to win? Because nobody's going to buy the skin or the sticker of the losing team. Right? Yeah. Um, they want to buy stuff that's really integrated. They want to buy stuff of the things that are winners. Right? And yeah. so, you know, it's you know, it's oftentimes a chicken or egg problem where you kind of need the incentives in order for the winning and the alignment to happen. You know. Yeah. But. You know, that's what I think that's one aspect that I get excited about franchise leagues is that there could be that full alignment magical moment happening at some point, right? Mm. Where the publisher, the league operator, and the teams and the players are all going and pushing in that one direction yeah. to make it successful and to like figure out the business model, right? It's yeah. interesting you brought up because it's, I think, in like uh, traditional non geolocalized esports, that's even more true. I'm like, winners. Winners sell, losers don't. I actually, though, and maybe it's just, maybe I just have bad friends, but I have like three friends who are like huge fans of like Patriots and blah, blah, blah. And they, they're like, I'm getting uprising skins. And my friend isn't even level 25 yet. Can't even play comp, but he has like, I think every home and away skin for the Boston uprising. And so, nice. you know, I, I wonder how much that staves that off a little bit versus, you know, kind of not having, you don't have that, local loyalty that from, yep. that you've kind of grown up with in traditional sports when you go with, you know, just something uh, endemic and, and not geolocalized. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, for us, like 
we love the idea of local, but we've noticed with our fan base, uh, I always say we're like, um, if we can figure out how to win, I think we're going to unlock something oh, special. Yeah. Uh, the Dynasty is actually the most global fan base in Overwatch, like, as far as I know. At least when wow. we ran our numbers. I believe that. I believe like, that. we have more international fans than we do in Korea, even though we have a big Korean fan base, right? Mm. Um, so, and that's with us, like, honestly, not winning, right? Um, yeah. So I think there's kind of a nice momentum that we have around a lot of our efforts there. Um, and I, look, I want to unlock it by trying to win. Uh, but, you know, obviously there's got to be a lot more work that we got to put in uh, to figure it out. But for me, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm more of the opinion that like local is important, but it's only a fraction of the story. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Because fan bases are more global than ever, right? Like I bet you yeah. the new Laker fans that are coming in, I bet you there's far less people in LA than yeah. it used to be like 50 years ago, right? Yeah. So I, you know, I'm I'm more of the I'm the digital guy, so like I don't think it matters as much. It's really, yeah. it's really better for the worst teams, not really the better team. The better teams can kind of expand beyond the geo local, but if you're exactly, you might have to start with your core locally if you're, you know, uh, and, and that's what I think he's talking about, where it's like you can build that core and build that. It's it's your foot in the door, but you have to do the rest of the work to open it, right? Like you yeah. have to really utilize where we are with technology and, and utilize the internet and utilize how global everything is, you know, like LCK global's been on forever. OGN global, you know, I, this is, this goes back even to, you know, the 2010s, you know, watching you know, Korean Starcraft, Korean league of legends, you know, everything is everywhere now. Yeah. You know, for most of it, at least dude, if parasite can win an Oscar, yeah. and BTS can be BTS. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, your fan base is no longer like just going to be only local, right? And, and mm. teams that are stuck thinking that, my personal view is that like it's not going to work out for them, right? Like, yeah, you gotta go, you gotta go big, but you still need to like local became table stakes. Like, you gotta do it, you gotta figure mm. it out. But like, if you don't have a plan for international, like, sorry, you know, you're, yeah. you're behind yep. the curve. Yep, and, I think it's I think it's starting to kind of weed out throughout the league in particular, like. You're trying to get Canadian players on Canadian teams. It's like, but why? You have that core fan base. Wouldn't you want to give them wins and like a championship rather than just giving them somebody to root for that live down the street? It's like that's kind of gone by the wayside, especially with the younger generation where you have friends from around the world. So it's not just I grew up with the kids around my block. It was I grew up with a guy in Germany and, you know, I played with this, you know, French Canadian guy. We played these games and, you know, I went to his wedding. It's like you said, everything is so global right now. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. the the one question that then because I think the conception or some one of the premises of the Overwatch League that at least like when that all was formed, I remember the guys behind Reunited, smart business people, just like talking about how there is a a discrepancy between sports fans what they spend uh, annually uh, per capita and esports fans. And one of those ways to combat that was the localization. Now, two questions. A, is is that true? Is there any likes to that theory? And, and if so, what, what can we do with, with um, products that also reach at a global audience so they feel more invested in, uh, in esports and can uh, spend more? Right, right. Um, you know, 
it, it's it's i'm trying to let me just try to break down the components of that question i think mm-hmm. uh, and i don't i feel like i'm gonna get roasted for this but i do think that we're very lucky to be in esports as a fan right because mm. even for me when i first started watching esports it was like when i first graduated like 07 or so um like everything was free yes right? big problem <laughs> yeah everything is free right and yeah. i you know in that kind of world yeah there's not much money there right mm. um but i think that it's not that they don't spend well there's two two factors one is that yes the audience is younger um, and so they're going to have less spending power. And when they get older, they will have more spending power. Mm-hmm. But what I see with the problem uh, in esports today is that when that younger generation does get older, there's not that much for you to engage with the dollars you've earned to support the scene. What I mean mm-hmm. by that is, you know, I, so I look at like, um, uh, like the LPL and look at what's going on in the China broadcasts. And I think it's really cool. Like, there's like freaking rocket ships that fly by on the screen, mm-hmm. right? If you like donate enough or, you know, you have a message, obviously it's yeah. green to make sure you're not saying something weird. Um, but I don't, there's, why are there no donations happening during Twitch? Like most esports streams, I don't get it, right? Yeah. Uh, especially if you know it's going to go towards the league, the team and the players, mm. right? Where it can be like everybody wins kind of thing. Um, and that the user has the ability to turn it off so that you're not, bothered by rockets flying by and stuff um to me like those are kind of like the opportunities i want to see i want to see more skins right in the game that go and support the teams and the players in the league right like all of those things you know i feel like i've worked really hard you know i grew up really poor but everything kind of worked out for me and i spent a lot of money on overwatch but I have nothing else to buy. <laughs> I've already bought mm. all the Dynasty mm. skins, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a weird flex, I know. But, like, you didn't get I want to buy more. just give them to you? Um, I felt bad if I make, I, I like, our entire staff can't get it for free. So I'm not going to uh, be like, uh, man, of get it for free. man of the people. Yeah, man yeah, of yeah. the people. All right. <laughs> yeah, bonus, so, bonus there. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, no, I think, yeah, I, look, there's people that I get, as they get older, I'm not going out as much anymore. Mm. You know, I'm not married, so like, I don't have kids. Like, I, I have money to put to work into this thing, right? But I can't. Mm. So I, I think those two sides have to change, right? Like, one, I hope the esports community realizes that if we can create things of value that they actually want, that they will, you know, use their dollars to support it, uh, and that we need to create things that they actually find valuable yeah. and that they're willing yeah. to pay for. And like those two things need to happen simultaneously. So would you say that that's kind of maybe the the impetus or the idea behind a lot of the the push into like clothing brands and streetwear like this is kind of very within the last maybe three or four years where you see teams like 100 Thieves yourselves um, in, in a weird way. Tempo Storm's kind of doing it similarly with their own game where they're kind of like shifting into kind of a, a soft publishing role. Right, right. It's more about kind of producing more direct flow into your company. Is 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 that kind of the idea behind it? Where it's like, okay, you've bought everything you can. We're locked by the publisher. How can we as a company provide you with something you want? It's clothes. It's games. Is that, is that kind of the same idea? Yeah, that's definitely one of the ideas that a lot of people are really pushing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me personally, like I, I actually worked in e-commerce for like five years. So okay. uh, I, it's one of the reasons why I don't like it. And so I shy away from 
going in an apparel company. Like, plus, okay. like, I'm not the apparel guy, right? Like, Nate Shot is cool. Sure. Right? Like, <laughs> mm. me, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the guy <laughs> to be, like, you know, on, you know, mm. like a million followers or whatever. Mm, just not, mm, you know, mm. just, I'm not built that way. I'm the nerdy finance guy, right? Like, this is not going to mm. work. Um, so, um, I think every esports team, every esports league is trying to figure out like where they can create independent revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal belief is that the most valuable ones are the digital ones, right? So the in-game uh, skins, in-game things, I think are really big for us. Um, a focus on uh, kind of the the actual stream assets. I think that's really interesting. So I think as an industry, it's not just Overwatch League. This is cross esports. I think there the industry needs to do a better job of figuring out better business models, revenue opportunities mm. in terms of the integration into the game with in-game revenue as well as on the actual stream itself and engagement tools on stream. Right? Um, if you like, I know he's getting a lot of flack right now, but like, I love Sushi Dragon. I love how many different integrations he's built. Yeah. into his stream where like different donations and bits and everything's mm-hmm. different and like stuff is happening and it's like live edited almost um and i i, I think that's the future and so i you know i hope we can get there and i hope the industry mm-hmm. itself steps up in that regard so mm-hmm. I, yeah I, go ahead Joe. He's, he's good he's good i it was just more of a comment on the whole sushi dragon and league of legends thing where it's i i, I don't at least I'd hope I, I don't I don't follow it as closely as, as as you probably, but it seems like it's more just they've they've tried to just copy and paste him into that role rather than like maybe taking his ideas or, or putting him in charge of something that maybe is similar. And it, it's it's not really fair to him. They kind of it's so not fair. Yeah, he, they kind of throw yeah, him he's getting fantastic, for fantastic streamer, by the way, like super awesome. Uh, I love that guy. Um one actually one thing that I would say, and I think this is more of a a macro view, is mm. if you build an audience uh, around one kind of broadcast, it's very hard to change it, right? Sure, and I sure. think that's what the LCS is struggling with. I would actually say the LCK is struggling with that too, mm. um, where the broadcast becomes stagnant. And so one fear that I see, or one danger that I see, is that many esports broadcasts have become stagnant, right? Uh, and many, um, even esports fans are becoming resistant to change, sure. right? Of like yeah. having a different, like, so I would prefer, I always say, uh, there's a John Wooden quote. Uh, he says, uh, the team that makes more mistakes in a game is usually the one that wins. What that means is that they're actually trying enough new things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. across the esports industry, I see fewer and fewer leagues trying new things. Right. Mm. And for LCS, the fact that they tried this thing with Sushi Dragon is great. And I hope that it's more of a culture shift where they get their fan base used to them trying new things so that this is one of many instead of like it was stagnant for so long that like there was only like this one random thing versus if you have an organization that tries many new things, I think fans get more accepting of it. Do you do you have kind of a like a hypothesis as as why that is though why why leagues and teams are maybe hesitant to try different things like i know from from my side going from you know a company that has spent hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars on activating streamers and content creators 
Um, there's, you know, obviously like pencil pushers <laughs> who are like, show me the ROI or we're done here. There's also just sometimes there's just like lack of imagination. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what do you, uh, do you have kind of a, a theory that you prescribe to? It's not fully fleshed out yet. Okay. So I hope I'm not, it's not the hill I want to die on, but <laughs> I, I think, yes, the whole pencil pusher thing. Yes. The corporate sponsor, like in terms of the stuff that costs money, you mm-hmm. need corporate sponsors to back it and they're going to want something proven right um they're going to want things that are up and running that have you know that are safe that you know are successful right for instance like uh, a failure experiment probably a partner doesn't want to be associated with it right so that's one aspect right um and, and i think with a flood of new corporate sponsors coming in with the rise of esports especially in, in recent times a lot of production uh, side is caught up in trying to figure out the sponsor issue. And so they spend an inordinate amount of time, as they should, right? If, if we're going to make this business model work, they got to figure this out uh, on making that part successful. So there's like the majority of your brain is spent on that. Now, then that means that you also have to create almost like a different group, right? Within the organization that is not doing that, right? That is focused on innovation and trying weird random stuff that isn't paid for yet right because it's too new but that could potentially become a valuable asset in the long run right um and there for like the the so that's what i think needs to happen but i also think there's this weird underlying current uh and i'm sure i'm guilty of it i'm sure many people are guilty of it but this is the one thing that I don't understand about esports is that one, everybody gatekeeps esports that are like endemic in esports. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, this isn't esports or like it should be this yeah. way. And I'm like, dude, this industry is brand new. Number two, this isn't freaking rocket science. Like, do stuff that's cool and fun that people like, right? Like, I, people gatekeep it so they almost become resistant to changing and trying new things, mm-hmm. right? And then the other side is that people are so scared of like Twitter and like the backlash on Twitter. But it's like, mm. I feel, I would hope that people start understanding that it's their job to get backlash, right? Like that's <laughs> their job, right? So like yeah. deal with it instead of being like fake friendly all the time. Like just, mm. just deal with it, you know? Like, you, you, and I feel like there's this weird thing in esports, especially in in the U.S. scene, where like everybody's so worried about like how the Twitter people will feel, and I'm like, dude, you gotta try new stuff, and then what? If it's successful, people will think you're a genius. If it's unsuccessful, people will say you're an idiot, you know. But like, just do it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and do yeah. enough of them so that over the course of the long run, which we're all building for, mm. that you make more right decisions than wrong, right? Yeah, ideally. And ideally, <laughs> otherwise you just won't be in the industry anymore, right? Yeah. And <laughs> to a degree, like the, this entity that brings innovation for the longest time, I've thought it's very easy to outsource without having big risks at all. Right. The, the thing that you do is simply crowdsource ideas. Mm-hmm. Like you have you have streaming and you have content creation. And whatever works there, like you bring these people in, even maybe just temporarily. You you don't have like, of course, you're not getting brand risks in necessarily, right? right? Sure, right. of course. Yeah. But you're get, getting in the people that have a proof, like a proof of concept towards the content that they're doing, 
Right. And that, like, the entire internet is is already uh, experimenting around your scenes. So, mm. like, that is your that's that's your laboratory, which you don't have to pay and don't have to take the not a lot of responsibility for anyway. Like, yeah. if anything really hits the fan, like you're not directly responsible, but you should probably do something again. Uh, right here, but yeah, that like that. Then you outsource the volatility, and but if you then somehow also give the the opportunity to make it to the big big scene and integrate these lessons in there, especially the people. It's not necessarily the concepts that are being raised there, but mm -hmm. the minds that have conceived of them. And you will mm -hmm. find, for instance, especially LAC, to me, I attribute a lot of their success to just having people that have been around for so long that get it. Right. That have the endemic uh, experience and have sort of like the culture figured out like it's I, in, in a way i empathize because like it is so different making hitting the note of the community in valorant for instance and in mm -hmm. overwatch completely yeah. oh, different yeah. cultures oh huge right? right cs very different league very different and you need this specialized folk that really get it that yeah. have been selected it to a degree by the audience with their vote of I'm watching you. Yep. And then integrating their uh, th them into the broadcast. Like for instance, why is someone like at the time he was really working? Why is someone like Jane on Dallas and not on the Overwatch League? Mm -hmm, Something like mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. right? Right, um, right, right, right. So these ideas, and to be fair, they, as far as I I know, for instance, with Avast, they tried, right? Yeah. So that's that's a. I mean, I don't know, but that was what it, what was communicated in terms of like he had to make a decision is he going mm. to okay yeah, i'm not sure was if that was ever uh, uh, public implications there sure gotcha yeah and no leaks i, I don't have like any leaks what? i don't know sorry yeah. i don't know that one i just don't know that one <laughs> yeah but that's that's the type of stories that you want that you, yeah someone that comes not in the community but out of the community make that yeah. part of the experience because they've already pr a proof of concept right and then if it doesn't work okay you tried right and I also think, um, you know, there's, uh, so I'm more from like a tech startup background. There's this thing called like a, a technology adoption curve. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they talk about how it, at first when you launch a product like the iPhone, right, it's really, um, you know, it goes to like this core audience, right? That's mm -hmm. really looking for, that's like very technology focused solution. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I think we're almost at the phase where we're moving from kind of the early adopters of esports and gaming to like now, obviously with everything going on, like the early majority, which is, that's actually the hardest jump. And that's where esports is today, which is, we know we have to like now be this big thing that the mainstream watches, right? But we also know that we have to stay true to the core and what got us to be successful in the first place. And mm. now we have to strike that balance. Uh, mm. And I think it's on both fronts, right? Like, I think there's too much people that say, oh, I come from traditional sports, do it my way, yeah. and you'll be just like the NBA. I'm like, no, you mm. won't. Because um, yeah. we don't have Kobe, we don't have LeBron. Like, mm. <laughs> um, The other side, too, is that there's a lot of esports people that will be left behind because they're not evolving, right? Sure. They're not getting better, right? And mm. so... You know, I think we're in this kind of like creative destruction phase where, you know, I think the broadcast in two, three years is going to be radically different from oh, yeah. what we're getting today. Uh, and I think 
even the talent is going to be radically different. Um, oh, yeah. And I think in a good way, because it's just, it's becoming very competitive now, right? Like, there's up-and-coming young casters that are, man, they're hungry, they're talented, mm. you know, there's, you know, it's... It's like when I try to play basketball on weekends, I'm a step slower now, you know, like, you know, I sprained my ankle. I used to be able to play the next day. Like now it's like a month out, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Sleep but that's the beauty of an industry much. that's growing, right? Is that mm -hmm. like, you get to see this influx of brand new talent. Like, you know, we, even for social media, like we just hired these uh, new guys, uh, first year out of school, man, even though resumes we're getting now uh, are just so qualified. Right before th three years ago, when we were first starting Gen G, like even recruiting was hard. Now we're getting amazing talent coming into the scene. So we're just in this weird inflection point. And you know, what I know is that you know the for esports talent is what I tell everybody in our team is that like unless you're getting better, we're gonna get left behind. Yeah. Right. And you know, if it's gonna be rough, man. You just we just have to be focused on getting better. Uh, and on the and all the side of like the corporate guys coming in, the suits, I guess I'm a suit, so I can't really say anything about them, but the suits coming in, like they got to do a better job of not being the dumbest guy in the room, right? Mm. Like yeah. I guarantee you when I first joined, uh, I was a big fan of gaming, big fan of esports, but I was still the dumbest guy in the room when I was in a room with these esports people, right? Mm. But now, you know, every year I, I just try to be one guy less dumb, as in like if there's 10 people mm. on the table, I got to be smarter than at least one guy by next year, right? Mm um and, and so that's that's kind of what i see uh in the industry and you know i, I would love to hear from you guys because you guys are in it way more hardcore on the ground than me so like what are you seeing on your side of kind of this like weird thing that's happening where we're mainstream but we're not in the, the conflict and all that stuff i think to a degree of course like it's a little overhyped and possibly overvalued uh, how much uh traffic and attention we're getting Mm -hmm. And especially also because like I've, I was here when in 2009 or 10, MLG tried to get like a $5 uh, yeah. HD stream going and everyone was just like Hated outraged it. at yeah. the thought of it not being free, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like they fired up the LimeWire and <laughs> just like <laughs> private bots and whatnot. Um, so from, from that perspective, um, I definitely, I definitely see that. And also little bit of an older guy i'm 33 like it's i'm very aware that it's it's not even we're not even at the apex of how adaptable you need to be like right. there are technologies and cultural shifts at the horizon where we have to completely adapt as in what is going on with mobile what is going on with vr potentially not just as, as a gaming mm -hmm. device or uh, device but also as an audience uh, experience yeah. experience what is what does it mean to be a uh, in a scene with such a long history as csgo do you create a type of um entertainment that people could reasonably be expected to feel good about bringing their kids in and making them fans of respective teams and building experiences that have a certain value and virtue if you want behind it in order to uh, attract that that audience that at like 20 28 probably the latest think like okay this is a this is a young man's game i'm jumping off mm -hmm. and that's also where a lot of money because like who spends right who like 
as as careers uh, improve. And of course, there's also the stuff with uh, the general uh, generational um, income in general um, be, being something that needs to be considered. So, like, I'm perfectly aware that if I want to stay in this as a career, I need to be highly adaptive and never mm-hmm. commit to any like hard truths in terms of that. And uh, I, I, I would say for myself, I 100% changed my tune over like how I started creating content in Overwatch mm-hmm. and how I'm now engaging with them. Right, and right, right. I, I, I still don't get it yet, but I think it's getting less obnoxious at least. <laughs> so I have less, I have less uh, DMs from Dream. That's <laughs> about awful tweets. Um, but yeah, I think that w- what you're saying about just like the adaptability and the openness and also to a degree, it's also, I kind of want to listen to the lessons of the suits because there's always like in the history of ideas, there's something, maybe that it's not the perfect idea that they have, but how is it applicable to right. yeah. to the respective audience how how does who how do these puzzle pieces fit together and um these are hard questions at this point in time right i think that's like the big thing that we could all kind of take away from it is like hearing the suits but the suits kind of have to hear us too right where it's like yes this worked but how can we fit this here what about that can be kind of synthesized and, and conceptualized and applied to the digital space or you know the gaming sphere or or esports you know you know elitists if you want to call them that um it can't just be well it worked for the nfl it'll work for this because they're so different they're completely different it's in a different time like one one thing that i think that yiska doesn't get enough credit for is is talking about like the bring in these old you know fox executives and these you know these these tried and tested suits and then applying them in a world that is still being created and, and we're still building the plane I, that that's something that kind of is been narratively painted around the league is we're still building the plane as we're flying it so it's like Mm. you've you've been built in a space that's kind of safe and you know what works you don't really have to iterate as much this is completely iterative we have no hard and fast rules there is no truth so you get to be creative but you've never had to right so you only know hard and fast truth so it's it's very i again to your point i to to your point Arnold. i think we're still trying to find our footing and figuring out what this is how to best you know you know connect with the audience as cliche and as gross as that sounds um but but as a league as a whole it's it's tough because we're we're bringing in people and i feel like there are butting heads and it's yeah it's 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 not good one of the big challenges that happens even in startups right and is part of the the life cycle is Mm. so for me i always think about things that like from a pattern recognition perspective of like Mm -hmm. where can Mm -hmm. i like take like Shanti Sung style, like take like little pieces here and there and like apply it to like different industries. So one of the things that is very difficult to do as a startup, especially if you look at Silicon Valley, the show, or like coming from two guys and a dog in a garage or whatever, and then becoming all of a sudden a grown-up company is hiring mm. that first true business executive guy, mm. Mm. right? And that integration is actually really hard, right? Mm. And I think esports as a whole is going through that right now yeah. where... By the way, the advice that people give you is try to find a good culture fit, and most likely it's going to fail. That's what they tell you when you <laughs> hire the first business hire, uh, is that high chance of failure, try your best to stack the odds in your favor, fire them quickly if it doesn't work. Yeah, right? that's like, the thing. 
that's that's I think the destruction, yeah. creative destruction thing that we have to go through is that. So for me, the thing that I get most most concerned about is less about the change and like the Twitter drama and all that stuff. Yeah, but yeah. That it's happening too slow right now. Like I, I think across the board, yeah. across the leagues, we should be seeing many much much more drama happening in order to get to a final end state that's like really much that's a lot better at the and at a faster pace. Uh, and I'm I don't know. It's just the sushi dragon thing is great if it's a pattern of we're gonna keep trying new shit every right. Day. Yeah, it can't just versus be versus if they're like so scared of the Twitter people. It's like dude, just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you gotta try also- it. That's also the reason, like, when we had the podcast, the first podcast after Hero Ports was announced, right. I was elated that they try. Right. I, my problem is that they tried. In my eyes, it failed, at yep. least in terms of, like, creating an environment that is defensible against, yeah. like, <laughs> by your mental state. And then <laughs> they, should have, they should have switched quicker. But what, what right. you're saying about... The adherence to bad ideas and possibly bad people, bad people not in the sense of moral, but like bad uh, people yeah, yeah. who consistently make bad decisions. It's, it's rough because in some sense, it of course communi- communicates volatility and like, oh my God, they're like uh, they're drowning. But really what, what the best thing is like, see if it works and then get them out, even on a competitive level. Like mm. I, I would say these two plus ones or even one plus ones that be, be they, their teams just by the length of their contract have not been competitive mm-hmm. due to that, right? Yeah. Like they've locked themselves out from being a much better version of themselves. And if they had the possibility to mix and match more often and put their resources there, of course you could, the thing is now. Now I'm sounding like an anti-player advocate, which it's a rough. It's rough if you, for instance, were to reduce like the minimum contract length, that yep. wouldn't go well, well with anyone, and arguably wouldn't also be a moral decision, right? Right, right. But right. no, no argument that once you get a good decisions maker in, like a good GM or head coach. If he only has to adhere to six-month contracts, it's way easier for the organization to say, okay, you're benched and we're paying three, uh, three months of salary for the yeah. rest, other than nine. Um, or like uh, bring pe- new people on because of that, right? So the, the security works against... And this is, of course, like more like a metaphor for everything, like scaled right. up to the business side as well. But it's yeah. like you, you have to, in order to attract people to a, such a volatile industry, you got to make assurances that the system y- cannot yet stem, it seems. Right, right. No, yeah. I, you know, I guess going to your first point on like, I, I would say like, actually specifically in Overwatch League, like I got to give a lot of credit. Uh, shout out to John Spector. Uh, he's probably not watching this, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> he's done a really good job or the league has done a really good job recently, I think of actually changing things around, right? Mm. Hero pools have changed, right? The tournaments have changed. And part of it is that like the macro thing happened where like everything had to change. But like, at least now I'm like getting the sense that there's actual change happening, at least in terms of the format and and kind of there. So I, you know, to, to that, to the league's credit, I'm like, okay, great job on that. Like, I wish we didn't start with one week hero pools. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you yeah. know, like at least we're not on it right now, right? Like, thank yeah. God, right? And we're not yeah. doing a random hero pool for a tournament, thank God, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's another tournament, thank God, right? Like, so mm-hmm. uh, I think you know that kind of stuff. So is is really positive. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, it, it's but that's where I think a lot of trust, and I think this is where franchise leagues needs to do a really good job of making sure that the teams in the franchise leagues are good ones, um, that they're going to behave in a way that's that you can't like define by like contracts. It has to be yeah. more spiritual yeah, yeah. than anything else. Um, so that like, for instance, you know, one of the policies that we have uh, in terms of our company, not on, not on our competitive side, in terms of our company is that one, we, we basically give everybody a heads up notice that like, look, you know, if it doesn't work, we're going to help you try to find something else, right? Mm-hmm. I'll, let, I'll let you know ahead of time before we just, you just show up and you're not here anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, we try to be very generous around severance, not because we're like, oh, it's the right thing to do, but because we say logically, okay, if a manager needs to fire somebody, but they know that there's a bigger severance package than the industry norm, at least it gives them something because long-term, mm. if they're in a place where their manager doesn't appreciate them and the yeah. person isn't doing their best, like it's bad for everybody, mm, right? Yeah. Mm. So how do you make that friction better? Um, mm. But, you know, I think the one thing that happened in, across esports, across the leagues is, you know, I, one of the things that I heard was in Korea, for instance, uh, when Riot took over uh, the broadcast for LCK from OGN. They're very like honest with it. Like they're, now they're trying a lot more new stuff, right? And, and it's, it's getting more interesting. Uh, and credit to, well, I think, the casters for helping push a lot of these ideas is that this is brand new for them versus OGN had been doing a bunch of crazy stuff like sure, karaoke yeah. and yeah, fun yeah. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of, you know, brand new. And so it was really hard for them to try a bunch of these things, right? Uh, and then I think what you're seeing now, even today, if we say, all right, Overwatch League, we're going to do a karaoke thing. Everybody's going to be like, what do you mean? Like, why do we need to do this? <laughs> it's like yeah. we're, we've created a culture of like stagnation, and it's really hard to escape from that, right? Mm. Uh, and break that. So mm. I hope. And the other thing is, like, I can't be the one team that forces my players to do karaoke. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be kind of a collective. Yeah. It is going to be like, yeah. oh, I got a scoop for you. Like, it's got to yeah. make me sing <laughs> a yeah. whole new world uh, every mm. time we lose. You know, um, I I think it's that's where the leagues and the team need to decide. All right, we think it's better for the league to mandate everybody needs to do a player interview when they lose, so that at least they know it's not anti-competitive. It's that everybody has to have. Yeah. You know, somebody that does it, right? Like, mm-hmm. or everybody has to go sing karaoke or, you know, some, whatever the content commitments are, right? Like, what I think, you know, I've always said that I'm, um, I'm an ally to the league when it comes to creating more content, right? Uh, and we could figure out, you know, if everybody has to lose a scrim because of it, that's fair, right? And so, you know, I think it's the right thing to do. And yeah, I hope the leagues do more across the board around it. Mm. 100%. It's always, for me, it's always been the execution. Like this most recent thing with adding Spice Adams and Tazon Day coming on. It's, it, it, for me, it feels like it's very traditional. It's, you know, these, these, again, these are people that, you know, have big brands, you know, so bringing them in yeah. feels like a very, 
you know corporate thing you had it back in you know the the blizzard arena bringing in celebrities where it was like okay like it's cool like to see them but why are they here like what what are they fans like you you try you try to get them out get that out of them and it it felt kind of sterile it felt kind of forced so it was it was weird it it doesn't it's not a bad thing but it's just the execution it's maybe it's the wrong people maybe maybe it's not the right you know demographic it's not you know movie stars we need to bring in you know like as dumb as this is about to sound, you know, new, new media people, you know, yeah. uh, looking at maybe, maybe Tezan is a little bit closer, but just a little bit. And he's you know, also a fat, little older, even though sure, I, sure. A hundred percent, you know, credit where credit's due constantly see him in the, the YouTube chat, you know, saying some stuff. So shows it, up the way I think about it every time. Yes. I kind of have this rule in my head of like, if somebody brings up an idea of like a celebrity or influencer and I know who they are, Probably not the right influence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, we're gonna bring in AC Slater from Saved by the Bell. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not the guy. You know, um, yeah. I, but <laughs> I will say, I feel like esports people or esports fans really have a nose, though, for mm. uh, bullshit, and that is with there's this has backfired on them, I think, a lot. And it doesn't yep. work in traditional. Um, it doesn't work for esports for some reason, like it does for traditional sports. For example, I remember was it Owen Wilson in season one who was there and like didn't really have I an idea so. like what was going on, and he was like there for a like a there like, was there was a, quite a few people. Yeah, there was some. And, I, I want to say, and rather than being also. like I this mean, really cool celebration of. Yeah. Um, a celebrity coming in, it looked like, oh, Overwatch League or whoever the teams or whoever else is, is buying out Hollywood talent to legitimize themselves outside yes. of. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I got to correct. It wasn't Owen Wilson. He came with us because he's actually friends with ah, one of our guys. Sorry. Okay. And his like, kids are into it. So definitely wasn't him. I don't want to get a phone call. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I didn't mean it. Uh, yeah. He sorry, Mr. Wilson. His kids liked it. Like, it Fair was enough. that hashtag not ad (laughs) you know uh but no i know what you're talking about like you know like the whole hashtag ad appearance is like yes you know and and it's tough and it's 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 i think it's esports are one of the more volatile like gatekeeping type of things for that like you can mm. not you can not be if you can be ignorant i think about an esport and in esports and just say like i'm ignorant about this but like they and this is kind of like the gen z millennial like we we've grown up on pop-up ads and hot singles close to us so we know we know bs marketing when it kind of comes to us and like creating genuine marketing has been like what it's it's what i consult right now more on like the streaming audio technology space but like that's that's my job is to come in and go like cool this is a great idea nobody's gonna believe it and yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's I think it's it's really interesting to see on the esports side of things this this kind of knows that esports fans have for this isn't genuine they want genuine marketing they want excitement yeah. and hype but at the same time they're um they 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 don't fall for the same like the the cameo has a, yeah. a way a way different meaning in esports What's really and, co- interesting is um sorry for interrupting is uh like I did a study. Well, I used to work at Google, and I, we did the study of uh, it was like, I think it's beauty e-commerce, and um, we were looking at like so we did a study where we're like, okay, we think people are now making their if 
purchase decisions based on YouTubers and influencers. So, you know, let's try a bunch of experiments. So what we did was we seeded a bunch of these products to the top beauty influencers on YouTube. And then we just watched how 15-year-old women or girls, I guess, are young, uh, like how they how they made their purchase decision. And we were like, all right. First thing she did is she went on YouTube. I was like, all right. we were like, all right, we got it. We're so right. We know how this market works. And then the first five results were all influencers that we had paid to be up top, right? And they're the biggest influencers in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, or, it's supposed to be organic. We, you know, it wasn't a hashtag ad or anything, so it wasn't sponsored. So we were like, all right, they're going to skip the sponsored. Yep, they did. And then we're like, okay, now they're going to go to the five top results. What she did was actually fascinating. The majority of them scrolled past the top five into these like much smaller influencers. I was like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? And they're like, well, she ha- recently has been doing a lot of sponsored stuff. So like, I can't really trust uh, her opinion anymore. Uh, so they're out. so like aware and in tune with what an ad is and yeah. the way that ad is part of a full integrated, con- like integrated into every piece of content that they see, that they sniff it out better than any adult that like, for us, yeah. it was like, if you install ad blocker, we think we're a genius, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They yeah. know how to sniff the BS like instantly, right? Yeah. And so it makes it really hard. Like every marketer is like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That I I follow a couple like uh, comedians in their podcasts, and I've I've seriously appreciated their attempt to kind of integrate their 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 ads and make it about them and showcasing their personality and also the product. Obviously, you have to you know give the read, but it's less about just reading what what's given to you and making it about you and making it kind of a little bit less businessy a little less you know i'm trying to sell you something more as you know me as your friend through this weird medium is telling you about a product rather than trying to sell you on it right, um, right. still still is not there yet i think we could get some improvements there but i think that's kind of not the future but Speaking of which, if Pellegrino wants to sponsor me. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, this episode of Tactical Crouch brought to you by patreon.com slash tactical podcast. Tactical Crouch, where only the hottest singles in your area congregate. And that's what what this is describing is also like, this is also where you can't out, outsource that. I think you need creatives that are very in tune with the cultural realities of the respective scene that you're uh, catering to. Mm. This works, for instance, perfectly for LAC. I will also say, I don't think any other esports has understood proximity markets as well as Riot in general, where mm, right. the crossover between yeah. the anime types and like yep. the, the K-pop stuff and the music in general, and yeah. what they do around that—that—that that, that is sh- simply another level. Like we yeah, haven't even awesome. attempted. We have DJ yeah. Khaled. Like, yeah. <laughs> this- hey, well, that was an improvement. That was an improvement. Good. I I still wanted it to be a tailored kind of show. I wanted you know some sort of you know not a new song. I can't ask an artist to kind of just like creatively yeah. come up with something mm-hmm. Overwatch related, but have you know the the graphics that are being shown maybe highlights you know cut to it you know something something that ties you there so it's not just zed is performing it's zed's performing at the overwatch league or zed's performing with an overwatch kind of theme that would be sick 
to me, that's where I know Epic is, you know, yeah. slandered for or yeah. shot down for, you know, uh, or pitchforked for the stuff where they don't support the esports scene enough. But what? at least in terms of the integration around music, yeah. Travis Scott, like, dude. Like, come that on. Was so insane. I don't play Fortnite, but that's just that's, sick. That what? is exactly the type of content I'm talking yeah. about, though. Since we talked about One Piece, I know you guys are on to lore or, you know, uh, the actual <laughs> games. And Blizzard's always usually really good with lore. So I have a question for you guys. Okay. Historically, Blizzard has protected their IP and universe yeah. like crazy, right? Mm -hmm. You don't screw with it, right? Mm -hmm. Travis Scott doesn't show up in the game, right? Okay. And that's kind of the Blizzard way. It's like Disney, mm, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But now with gaming being Pixar, so mainstream yeah. and esports being so mainstream, right? Pixar, yeah. Um, do you think that that should stay the same? Like, if there was a billboard in the game and it's Travis Scott, right? Like, does that break immersion in, in on the esports side? If you have that in the universe, what do you what are you guys' opinion on it? Like, I love Blizzard lore. Like, I read the Diablo books. I was like into it, you know. Yeah. But like. Sure. It's just different now, have right? have the Azeroth Bibles. Definitely. Yeah. I think, so this is something where um, it's, it's you're, you're right in the sense that it like, it, it could be immediate, an immediate turnoff, right? And an immediate, not just turn off from the game, but like the universe in general. And there's, there's a risk there. I think that there probably though is a way that it can be done right more than just like, changing the billboards in the game right or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> i got one, you know, I got one um but like i think that there's a lot of really cool immersive things especially you know we know like diva's story is in like this kind of th this really interesting fast-paced gamerfied south korea type stuff mm -hmm. like there's a ton of stuff that you could probably do there with that and a ton yeah. of yeah. things that you can probably integrate into the game it's um but I, it's I don't also think that like a Travis Scott concert on Nubani is like the way to go either in that no, sense. No, like that's no, just no. probably not really it. And that doesn't really. Um, but look at, look at what Riot's done with KDA, right? Look at, right. look at, and, and WoW kind of did something similar. World of Warcraft did something similar with Elite Tour and Chief. And they had like this in-game kind of band, this rock metal band that would play. I think you could take something like that, like this idea of KDA and this idea of um, what's the new one? Uh, they have like a new group that they've kind true of damage or something. true damage. Yeah, 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 true yeah, damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can kind of create this authentic in-game music group. Right. Again, just kind of playing within that theme that has some sort of ties to Overwatch lore or, or ties to the story and kind of outsource that to, you know, an alter ego of an, of a very famous artist or a very popular artist. And, you know, have them create, you know, a small like EP for Overwatch League. Isn't right. that Lucio? And I think that would that would that would kill. I, I think you could take somebody the idea of Lucio, but tie it to something real. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And that would be how I think you could integrate it with Overwatch. And I and think Riot like, came out right with with mm -hmm. you know what the song for Jet was. Oh, it's uh by Sohi, like the that artist, right? So it's by Doja artist? Cat. Oh, it's by Doja Cat, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh shit. So one of the biggest artists like at the apex of it. Like if you think about uh KDA as well, they had yeah. Madison Beer on there. Yeah, they had like, a bunch before of she popped. Like they they, I feel like they also do the talent choices very well, where it's right. like these people are either currently on top or just about to completely mm -hmm. uh, 
Maybe they even elevate them there, to be fair. Like, maybe that's in, also in some ways, I'm right? sure. You know, a lot of it, I think, is cultural as well. If I look at the Riot LCS staff or the LEC staff versus, let's say, the LCK staff, like, the LCS guys, maybe too much, like, actually hang out with the entertainment people. Ah, uh, okay. And the influencers and, like, mm. you know, they're in that scene. They're going to the same parties. Like, they get it and they know what the industry chatter is. Versus other leagues uh, don't. Yeah. So they don't live that life, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and, and even in LCK, like the LCK broadcast guys don't hang out with YouTubers. And, you know what I mean? So they don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. It's not that they don't like them. It's just that culture gap is there, yeah. right? Um, and I think even for Overwatch League, a lot of people were kind of all over the United States. So a lot of them didn't really, weren't part of the in influencer scene in LA, right? Mm. So for us, we that was an advantage for us where we brought on a bunch of influencers just because a lot of us lived in LA. So we like, you know, yeah. hang out and stuff. Um, but, you know, it's, um, I think that's that's definitely a big gap. And I, I, I got to say, kind of to, to, to uh, Joe's point, like, I think esports is one way where you could like loosen the rules of yeah. the lore universe, right? It's mm. much more accepted if you're doing something on the esports broadcast and the esports world, the competitive mm. world, because Tracer doesn't go against Winston in the universe anyway. So like, hundred percent. Yeah. So or two I hope, tracers or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two tracers, right? Like <laughs> I. That's why I hope, like, uh, you know, with Overwatch Two and the competitive mode there, like, I hope they use that opportunity to like loosen yeah. what competitive could be as kind of a. Just a taste, and then have a separate true story mode. Yes. Right. Instead of hearing yeah. the same voice lines over and over again every time you pick, because I'm a one trick Anna, so I just keep hearing her same voice lines. Like, sure. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> another also just one. Like, even in the cinematics, there's just abilities that the heroes use that aren't actually in the game at all. Yeah. Like, so it's there's there's so many holes that it's like you, you want to hold this logic. Through, uh, arrow. Yeah, he has that whole like other sword that it's like. Well, what's that about, bro? Like, <laughs> another thing that I thought was really interesting is um, what, what Apex Legends did very briefly, kind of a small little thing, but they had one of their characters and they hired the voice actor for that character, kind of give these shout outs to these influencers. Mm. Very tailored, like, hey, like, I'm you some snarky character. You have out. no idea. It was really cool. Like, I was like, oh, OK, that's different. That's not, you know, KDA pop stars music group, but it's yep. still kind of like a nod to the as as again, as cliche and as cheesy as it sounds, the real world meeting yep. the virtual world and being like, oh, well, I like Madison Beer and I like, you know, the Mirage as a character. That's really cool. That's two things I really like. Maybe I'll try this game again. Like, it's such a reach, but mm. it, it, it you kind of have to reach a little bit to kind of get creative. Like, you really got to, like, think outside the box to, to kind of figure I, this out. I think the Zed Widow skin should have been released. You know, yeah. like, mm. why not? Sick. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, th I think that's right. the least you could do. Add it as a team skin so it's like in a different you know, yeah. thing instead of, well, actually, no, like all the other skins are like, there's little red riding hood, right? True. True. That's not part of the lore. Like just do it. Not part of the <laughs> lore yet. That's <laughs> true. Yet. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Story in I mean, progress. What, what do you think about these product placements in terms of like, um, it being acceptable, for instance, in league of legends, having these banners that are now on the map, uh, mm -hmm. I, I haven't followed the development at all. I still remember, like, I think it, won, it was in 1.6 when we had them on the ground on maps or, like, sprayed to the wall or whatever. 
Um, do you think these things could be feasible? Because we have theorized on this broad broadcast, like we've already talked about, there's a bit of a disconnect in terms of like what the what the general audience has as language for specific positions on maps, whatever. Why is it not the Coca-Cola corner on King's Row? Sure. Right. Something right. like this. <laughs> I started gagging even hearing that. I, I uh, could go ahead. Coca-Cola corner. <laughs> I look, I think this is just try more stuff, right? Like the mm -hmm. fact that we haven't tried the Coca-Cola corner. Yeah. That's you don't know. You know, Maybe and then idea. and it's like those things where like, yeah, you're gonna try it and people are gonna be like, Oh, you sold out, you're terrible. Okay, it's like okay, then don't do the Coca-Cola corner. Do something else, right? Yeah, like get rid of it quickly. Yeah, yeah like I, so oh, they listen to us. Yeah, yeah. People love like, that, dude. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like, or you could meme it and like make it the Coca-Cola, you know, like map. I'll just keep expanding on it until everything's Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I like I think that's it's a natural outcome that the esports broadcast, at least the esports broadcast, not not the universe. Mm. But the esports broadcast is considered not part of the universe, not part of the lore, and has more product integrations. Yes. And yeah. how they do it, it should not just be straight up banners everywhere, like you would see in the mm. NBA. Yeah, of course. They yeah. need to do something that it could be integrated and a nod towards the game while mm. still fulfilling the advertiser's goal. And, you know, no esports league does a great job of it right now. Mm. And mm. no developer no does a great job of it right now. No creative does a great job. So to me, it's there's still a gap uh, in almost every esports title between the publisher and the dev team, and what the league and the esports wants, right? Mm -hmm. And and that is a story that I think should actually be explored more, um, mm -hmm. because I I'm still trying to understand it a little bit better, but yeah. that definitely still exists, right? And mm -hmm. and figuring out like why that conflict exists, how you solve that conflict is something that I'm really interested in. I really want to try to like figure out over the course of I don't know, probably the next that's like big project for this year is like understand mm -hmm. that world better to yeah. your point with the idea that you know kind of talking about overwatch in particular but i think publishers in general they do kind of like want to kind of create this insular like you know this is my ip like i don't want to dabble with it too much completely the opposite direction is kind of this story around this this very kind of obscure card game called the legends of the five rings and if i'm understanding the, the kind of early history of it correctly it was this kind of small card game that had these tournaments that tied their lore and the story of their direction or the direction of their story to these these in-game events mm. where whatever happened in these games impacted how the story would play out so if this faction or if this 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 player this real life player used this faction or had this some sort of play um that was you know looked at as as highly skilled or or crazy luck or whatever it was they tied it into the story to like integrate the the legend of these players into the story kind of immortalizing them like oh yeah. well i actually did that that's something that i think is like so far gone like i don't think we'll ever get to that level right but right, even right. doing i think csgo does this or, or counter-strike in general they've they they start to integrate like well-known plays to positions on the map and they identify yeah. that with some sort of spray mm. and we could do yep. that with you know profit and whoever up carpe doing all these crazy things like you could you could tie that to a sponsor so it's not the coca-cola corner it's right. the the Coca-Cola signature spots, you know, presented by all, you know, State Farm and right, right, you can, right, right, you can right, tie right. it. So it's not just there's a Coke sign there. It's, you know, there's a there's a something tied to profit. Yeah. In like, this position. 
you know, the way I think about it is like, you know, on Hanamura, uh, you like see the lore and then you see the like arrows from like the story of the lore. Yeah. Right. What if there was like a pulse bomb that Prophet did and we mark that spot mm-hmm. and we have like a little explosion there. Right. Maybe only on the esports broadcast map version or sure. whatever. I don't know. Why not? Just a nod. Know. Just, mm-hmm. just like, a little nod. I think those kind of things start allowing you to engage the core hardcore fan base that would otherwise normally be like, screw you, how dare yeah. you bring Coca-Cola into this thing? But then if it feels like Coca-Cola is now enabling these moments to happen mm-hmm. and saying, hey, we know you're a big Overwatch fan. We know this means the world to you. From yep. a publisher side, we're going to take a step and say that this deserves a moment. And it's, pow- and it's honestly paid for by Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. like, Power I think everybody will be happy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's respecting the game through advertising yes. almost. And it, there, it creates that alignment, right? It creates that mm-hmm. like, we're Coca-Cola and that, you know, snipe, that Widowmaker snipe was really sweet on point B and we're, you know, uh, memorializing that spot for 100%. the rest of the stage or for the rest of the season or for whatever that looks like is way, I think yeah. way more effective then we replaced all these beautiful uh, yeah. Japanese banners with Coca-Cola signs on Hanamura. <laughs> like instead of Sakura like leaves, it's like Coca-Cola yeah, bottles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just hanging down. Product placement yeah. out the Cheez Its. Uh, There's just Cheez Its all over. They're not yeah. And you know what I would do? It's like uh, I don't know if this is possible, but like if we need to bootleg it, I would just make a I would just make a spray. And mm-hmm. then just make somebody go spray it on the map before yeah, yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. map starts. Yeah. <laughs> Workshop. So have an observer yeah. run in there. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... Yeah. But I, there's, there's so much, for instance, like what else you could do is like maybe, it, for instance, like everyone probably remembers the Prophet 5K on Volskaya. And it starts with him killing Kape from behind. What if every time. A tracer runs through that, or occasionally a voice line pops up. Right. Not directly Just on like the a rare nose referencing this, but definitely going like wink we wink. See you. This happened. Yeah. Right. Like and tying that into uh brand uh brand activations in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Like it it and it I don't have a, a great example how this could be done, but it's it's not like for instance I think the best way I can explain this is it's like a lot of people consider Red Bull to be a philanthropist for all kinds of crazy stuff that's going on in the world, right? Like right. it's yeah. just like, what? This guy wants to jump from space? Sure, Red Bull. Like that's like this these types of things. And once you once you build the brand around these experiences, I think that that can definitely work in some way. But just something that is very in character for Overwatch, something that right. feels natural, not just right. copy pasted from other scenes, but something right. that comes out of the game and is organic to the to the t- way this is played. And someone has to have their ear on the ground in the community in that regard, or listen to their creatives when they have those ideas. Like that's, yeah. and like, it's you're not going to have these ideas sitting in front of Excel spreadsheets, never having played Overwatch. That just right. doesn't happen. There right, is right. there is like one additional dimension to that though, which is time, right? It's like you have to create a system that allows you from the time that that amazing play happens to the time it's in the game has to be no more than two weeks, right? Like there's like yes, you remember the the profit five k or whatever, but how do you? It 
it can't be a year. I tell you that. Like it can't, that yeah. championship yeah. skin that takes a year is rough. Yeah. So, like, so, like, the, the you guys turnaround... excited about the Sinatra skins? You guys excited yeah. about the Sinatra skins? Oof. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so like it's... the the marketing behind it too. Like there has to be this this faster turnaround and systems put in place mm. to be able to like honestly create these kind of viral marketing moments. How cool would it be if like you your team like you take a, a play of the game or a play of the match and you can immediately yeah. integrate that spot into the next match or into yeah. next sure. week's match. Or, you know, uh, I, I think that that's probably the easiest way. Voice lines are obviously much more complicated than that, but you can even make that down to, you know, the, imagine if you could have voice lines based on like really good rivalries. So if you want to like play on like the profit carpe type thing or sure. whatever, and profit walks by the part where he died at carpet carpe last time, you get a little thing up on the screen and a voice line being like, well, sh hope I don't do that again or whatever. Like hope that yeah, doesn't happen something. again. Like, right. yeah, right. So. I think, I think I'd love to see like a signature skin series where it is, it, it, it does kind of have those Sinatra and Jonak, you know, style personalized skins, but have those nods where it's like, oh, if you know, the Jonak skin and the Sinatra skin kind of meet, they have some sort of dialogue that isn't necessarily, you know, influencing the game per se. So nothing popping up on your screen. I, I think that that's a little too much, but just like a, a nod. I think people really like subtle, you know, gestures towards things that you might like or maybe that you're not interested in it's like oh well that's really rare like i've never heard that voice line before why did right. why did i get mm -hmm. that voice line and right. you go it's through and you figure out oh it's about the overwatch like well i keep seeing it on cheese it ads and these you know weird you know product placements and and grocery stores maybe i'll give this a chance because again i i look at what riot's doing and what league of legends is doing and what maybe even counter-strike isn't doing necessarily kind of you know leaning on their lures a little bit but then i go to the grocery store and i see an end cap that just has the Overwatch League on. It's like, that's what we got. All right. Well, we got to do something different because I'm not watching yes. this off of end caps of Cheez Its, right? Like, right. That's Here not what I'm interested in. Here you go, Joe. I got one. Okay. When you get a 5K, uh -huh. you unlock the ability to do an emote. And sure. The character says, five guys, and then just pulls out burgers and fries and starts snacking. <laughs> <laughs> something like this, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I, I think you're on to something tying it to like you know in-game performances or, or there's again the possibilities are endless and, and there's so much you could do and i know from talking to like many dev teams across you know many different uh titles mm. a lot of this stuff takes a lot more effort oh, and course. resources than mm, you would imagine but if you from the ground up build it to be able to be yeah. this flexible uh and know that this is something that's part of your development cycle it's a lot easier to do so it's one of those things where if a publisher has a dev team that their main job is to support the esports side, it's just part of the normal development cycle that can be integrated and in, you know uh, as part of like the launch process. Mm -hmm. Versus if it's a hey, I'm already working on the Overwatch two, right? Like if sure. if today yeah. I was like, all right, should this guy be working on the Profit voice line or Overwatch two Profit? I love you, but like Probably, hey, no, yeah. just just work on Overwatch two. It's cool, yeah. you know. So you almost need to just allocate it, I think. Sure. And I Absolutely. think more publishers will. Like everything I've heard from different publishers has been that they all know that they need to do a better job of integrating the esports yes. into the actual game, right? And I, I think you're going to start seeing more stuff happen 
Uh, timeline, I have no idea, but sure, it has to. Like, that's tough. It's really funny I, to me that the most effective piece of marketing for season three is crunch time from like the week one. Yeah. The, the week one production <sighs> issue. mishap. Did more for Cheez-Its probably than um, any number of those segments have. And Accidental so, virility. Yeah. And like there's, or intentional or intentional yeah, virility. I'm usually the conspiracy guy, but I'm not even touching that one. <laughs> no, no, neither. I think to Arnold's point, like I think that that's kind of a shift that we're going to have to kind of wade through a little bit where we're seeing this shift from esports just being a marketing arm where it's like, hey, yep. come try our game. We have all these competitions to, OK, this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So what can we do with this? Like we, we built it what do we do with you now like how do we right. how do we really integrate you into you know the idea of the game or or you know building like you said from from ground from the the first floor and having these processes and systems planned for so that we don't get to the position where it's like okay well, i can either have profit voice lines or overwatch too well hmm. right yeah yeah no 100 percent. I, I think that's exactly the conversations that are being had uh, mm. across the different leagues across different publishers Everybody's trying to figure out, like, okay, what, what do we, what's next? Because we right. know the current level of integration, like, it's not working, right? Um, like, I, I'll launch. I play, uh, especially during quarantine. I've been playing a lot of Overwatch, but I'm not seeing enough Overwatch League stuff, you know. Yeah. Mm, um, and we should see it, right? Like, I see a lot of Dynasty skins, um, but like, mm -hmm. that was from season one, right? Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's also because we didn't win the championship, so we don't get a custom skin. I get it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I think just seeing it more in the game, then you have kind of a virtuous cycle, right? Where mm. the game creates more viewers, the viewers are get become more engaged in the game, and you have like a virtuous cycle. Yeah, where, that's, like, that's what we hope for. Even with mm. like going all the way back to like the drama around like the divides of the subreddits where it's like, oh, well, we have competitive Overwatch and... You know, we're, we're gatekeeping out the Overwatch, you know, r slash Overwatch fans that, you know, we have to Blizzard as a publisher and, and even content creators. We have to be able to bring in these, you know, more casual fans outside of just, well, you're from Philly. You got to cheer for Philly like that's your some sort of duty. No, no, we need to bring these people in. It's not just the skins because that just feels you got to do it. It just feels like the bare minimum with you know league doing it for for years now it's it's kind of just expected of you to kind of bring these skins in so what else can we do what more can we do how do we iterate on that you know one thing that i love i told you i love competition yeah i love valorant coming into the scene man yeah you know all of a sudden of it's fire. like you have two you know because counter strike is its own thing right it's just mm, yeah in the stratosphere with like all these yeah. other things but like now you have a real battle even though it's not really a real battle because it's two different types of games with two different types of player bases, but whatever yeah. is like, even just the perception of it, it like mm -hmm. you get better by having other people trying different ideas. And yeah. you're like, wait, I got to do a different idea too. And you have more community cups, you have more tournaments, you have, you know, integrations within the game. Like, yeah. I, like you need that competition. And, and you know, I, I don't know you guys feel, but there hasn't really been anything before Valorant that like scratched any kind of like competitive itch for me. Like I play Fortnite for fun, but like not, yeah. You know, I'm trying hard to rip my at it, right? You know, yeah. so, um, you know, it's, I just think we're, I hope we get to see more games come out and that'll force the end state is one where this problem solves itself because of the competitive aspect. 
open yeah. between these p- different publishers. What I would hate, and I think it's probably inevitable with how or the trajectory of esports, like and again, in, t- talking ad infinitum, right? Like if with infinite time, we're going to see a game, and we probably already have to be fair, be developed to be an esport rather than having it kind of naturally develop. And that's where I think like that's like or kind of it, I, I'm not using the term correctly, but it's kind of Orwellian where it's just like that's when we've hit a wall where it's like, OK, we've gone too far from God's <laughs> you know, blessed light. And right, this right, is right. now some sort of corrupt nonsense. Right. I mean, these games exist like some of those games. Sure. Like, for, for instance, I think I, I don't want to ascribe any uh, any intention, but I'm pretty sure the diabolical is created with 100%. only esports in mind right sure. like and we just don't have games that are specifically good at that to, yes and i think to, that's kind of its own market where it's like okay i'm developing a competitive game that is geared towards esports so you're bringing out these elements early the replays the uh mm-hmm. the, the spectators uh, view and making sure the observing team has their their kind of niche things that they need to to kind of show a broadcast and having that from the ground floor up and not just being something you tack on later. I think that that's going to just be its own development cycle. So maybe it's another whole genre that we're you know, talking about where it's like we have the diaboticals. And I think you're onto something because uh, the, the change that I've seen, even in the last three years was that first you have publishers and they're like, Oh shit, we have esports now. What do we do yeah. Yeah. now? Right from the ground up, they have esports divisions and arms, even in their dev team. That's, deal with esports was so kind of like integrating mm. esports into the machine and then at some point the machine you integrated is its own machine and there's yeah. probably going to be that wave that happens right so yeah probably it's yeah. weird how how have you received as genji also this sort of gold rush that's happening with valorant in terms of like you heard some of the salaries um like there, there are some salary offers on the on the floor i I cannot believe these numbers um not just of the ones that already signed but potential so um like is is there any sense to them and how how have you guys evaluated that um i say okay so from our side we're really excited about valorant we're really excited about the commitment that riot has shown us at least in you know our meetings with them Mm -hmm. around really really integrating esports as a core part of the game itself and the game success, right? That like the maybe it's just a sales pitch, and I'm a sucker for sales pitches, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do believe that at the core, you got a lot of folks on the dev team in leadership positions that pa- are super passionate about esports, right? That gives you a lot of safety in knowing that the direction of the success that you when you make a bet on the esport that you're making a bet with the publisher on its success, mm. that gives you some uh, some insight. Now, when it comes to the actual market for players, I was surprised to see a lot of people rush for big names, but sometimes they're not even that good. Or like they, they're not proven. I would say they're not, I'm not to say they're not that good, but they're not proven in Valorant yeah. because you can't be proven in Valorant yeah. mm-hmm. right now, right? Like, and for us, like we picked up a really amazing team, mm-hmm. uh, and. You know, we were all surprised when people were like not even looking at these guys as aggressively as like some other teams that just had bigger names on for streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, just like what what's going on here? Where like we know this team has been grinding this more than anybody else. All the scrims, like internally, they've been placing higher than other teams, but 
why aren't they getting enough attention? And, we're, and we got really lucky that we picked up such a great squad. Uh, I got to learn more French if I'm going to talk to them. But uh, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're French-Canadian. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of it doesn't make sense. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of turnover happen. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's the thing is that, like, look, for our guys, we said, like, look, I'm not saying you have a permanent spot at Gen G if, you know, one player isn't doing well, then, you know, we have to make mm. roster decisions. Like, that's mm. part of what you sign up for. But, like, yeah. we're not looking at signing you at just as a flash in the pan. You're a streamer for one month and then we cut you because the contract is not guaranteed. Like, mm. I, that's my estimate on guess on what happened is that people took a bunch of flyers and they assumed that they're going to cut them all at the drop of a hat once they figure right. stuff out. Maybe that's what's going on. Or maybe they're just making bad decisions. I'm not sure. Or they turn uh, into streamers, and even then, that in I don't know how I feel that like that's so aided, man. Valorant is actually going the CS:GO route, where the individual streams probably aren't going to be like as a as huge of an attraction as they are in League, just by the nature of the game. You yep. can't talk that, while you're playing. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like it's a terrible stream game. I mean, it's it's a like when you're. Dead, at least you can. Depends you on how good you are. Yeah. There. <laughs> the worse you are, the better streamer you are. It's kinda... free time to talk. I show yeah. up, I'm dead. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, but I, I think uh, that justified it a, a lot in uh, in that that regard. But I'm not sure if that's paying out. Like just like transferring the play, pro player account into a streaming thing. Maybe it's even possible to say, oh, well, you can variety stream now, please. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's a- I I don't think that makes sense. Like, like there's some solid talent out there, right? Like, Sinatra is going to be a big star. Like, there's real talent out there. Look, they deserve what they get, but um, I think there's a lot of people just kind of in a gold rush situation. And, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, there's going to be the smart money and dumb money, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's what you're seeing when there's a gold rush, right? So there's, it is what it is. I mean, and I think that there's, like, looking at it from, like... I mean, obviously, we're looking at it from a marketing side, but there's there are some like distinct advantages to like signing somebody who is maybe not necessarily tried and true, but is somebody who is a big streamer. Like, let's just say that there is that's that's something that you want to go for as an org. You get number one, um, a ton more eyes on your organization. Number one, number two, it's not that much more expensive, surprisingly, than just like sponsoring them outright. <laughs> like, if you tried to sponsor a big streamer. To, to do it like we've tried to sponsor streams in the past and tried to sponsor even just like flags and things and it's it's not cheap there's also cheap. yeah there's also drawing drawing talent to um to that be like hey you're gonna be playing with hiko on our squad and so hiko is your hook and then they get your real players on there because they're gonna be on hiko's stream 40 hours a week and getting that additional stuff. And that's who you really want on your stream or on your team. But you've got Hiko there to kind of bring in the, the players who are hungry beyond the, just the gameplay itself and are, and are committed to the stream and content. And then you also just have the slow burn until you actually have esports, right? Like there's, how do you, how many, how many organizations have the burn rate to go from when the game goes mm-hmm. live to when esports become the profitable profitable part in that new game. So I think that there's still right. like a lot of I, I still think a lot of it is dumb money and a lot of organizations are just like <clears throat> they go to the directory and go that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy. There we go. We're done. And 
I think that that's a huge mistake, but I do think that there are a lot of organizations who actually really understand the eyeball aspect and the, um, just kind of the, that initial flow of how do we be the, the Gen G or the T one of not Valorant anymore, but the, the next big game, how or how do we be yeah. one of those early adopter franchises and get some of these new eyes on our organization? Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with it. I just think, you know, if you, so for us, the way we approached it, uh, so I can't say like other teams did the same thing, but, Either we believe in the eSport and we want the best players who we think will be the, the biggest names in this game, mm. or we don't believe in it, then we should go get streamers because it's going to be a flash in the pan for us and it's guaranteed viewership, right? Sure. Yeah. For us, like I, I actually authentically believe in Valorant as, as an eSport. I don't know what regions yet. That's a big question mark. Sure, like, how big will it be in China and Korea and like those regions mm. where it's like kind of just starting? Um, but at least in the U.S. and in Europe, it seems like this could be, the, to me, this is like the right bet to make. But for us, we were like, all right, we're going to go in the competitive thing. But it's also like for us, our DNA is not like, you know, like a full-on entertainment company kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. 100%. So, you know, we're like the nerdy guys out of esports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're like, the, we're definitely, like one thing I realized out of all the esports organizations, we're definitely the nerdiest. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's just the way it is, right? It's just who we are. Like, we like One Piece, and we, you know, we're just, yeah, sure. we're, you know, just who we are, man. Yeah. Nice. I think not, not, to, I don't want to derail a conversation if it's, if it's continuing. Yes, kid, did you want to follow up on anything with that? Uh, I, I would have pivoted into, uh, talking about smart money potentially. Yeah. This, I wanted to have the, the chicken of, little discussion. This, this is the part of the discussion where you, Maybe you have to stonewall the, your face, but okay. Let me let me ask this question differently. How do we? How do you enter the esports scene, or specifically Overwatch, and become smart uh, in it? Because here's the problem: I I think a lot of investors came in, had good intentions, got in with endemic orcs, and were woefully left alone or misrepresented or not given the proper advice to make this work. So how, what, what moves did you guys make in order to, okay, you guys, of course, or maybe you specifically in order to uh, sort of accustom yourself to the, to the sector. So kind of our philosophy is more about like what kind of people you bring on um, because there isn't like, Esports is not that freaking complicated, man. Like the cultural aspect, understanding it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So it's a time issue, right? And are you a present? A lot of it is just showing up, right? Like, so, you know, what we did was like, I was at that point, I was in San Francisco. We had this idea that we wanted to like be an esports organization. And we, you know, just bought this Overwatch thing and we were trying to figure it out. Um, and I knew that we we're going to pick the soul spot. So yeah, I packed my stuff and you know, got a place in Seoul and like started meeting people and started talking to people and, you know, started building a team out there, right? An mm -hmm. organization out there, right? And, and I think just making sure that you're hiring people that want to learn quickly, that are intelligent, um, and that will listen to the actual community itself. And like, mm -hmm. there's been many missteps we've had with the community of not listening, of not doing it on time or not doing it right. Um, but like, 
you know, the the right philosophy for us is like, whoever we want, we're just gonna build this team that's gonna keep learning and keep figuring it out and just like grind away at it, right? Um, and I think the other side too is you also need that balance where you create enough of a space for the endemic people in esports to have an opinion that gets translated and digested in the organization so that it actually gets. So change occurs in the organization, right? We were very lucky in that, you know, we had League of Legends, we had Overwatch, we had Heroes of the Storm, Heroes of the Storm, RIP. Uh, <laughs> you know, PUBG, you know, like CSGO now, like where we are like going deep into it. We're listening and we're understanding it, talking to the players. Uh, and we're like just understanding it better, right? And, mm. I, you know, that's one thing. I, I know we wanted to bring this up. Man, I, I honestly think, I don't know what the answer is, but, like, people got to talk to the players more. Like, especially the Korean players. The majority of the league is Korean, and nobody freaking talks to them, mm. right? Obviously, there's a language issue, yeah. a cultural issue, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you know, I don't know how to solve that one, to be very honest with you guys. But uh, I hope we can solve it, because I think these guys are nuts, and they're hilarious. Yeah. But, like, we're not seeing that even try to be translated onto the broadcast or onto you know yeah. we're seeing teams actively talk about stepping away from it because they're they're scared of trying to market that to the local scene and again i think it's so and, just and, i gotta be honest i i felt a way that they t took uh streams away from sparkle like mm -hmm. yeah that is i understand it from a competitive standpoint but man that like if you if your best player is that and he does that as well, that's nuts, right? Like, he's the full package then. Yeah, like, I I think, uh, look, I think a lot of orgs that are moving away from the Korean roster thing, I get it because none of us have figured out how do we, sure, you know, show their personality and emotion, even, and not just on our freaking social media channels with just like a freaking what, 100K followers on Twitter, yeah. whoopie do. yeah. No, on the broadcast, right? Yeah. In mm -hmm. Overwatch, Overwatch League. How are we actually showing the player personalities, right? Like, when's the last time we had a player interview with a Korean player? Uh, I think Flora did one, right? Yaki, I think Yaki did one the other day, if I remember correctly. But again, like, I, I, I definitely understand yeah. where you're coming from. I get the feeling. Yeah. And we have so, like what, fifty-five percent? Uh, yeah, it's Koreans the, almost now? half yeah. the half the league is so over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's... you know, the other thing too is that like hire more people that speak Korean. Right? Yeah. Like, figure it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I love this. I, this 100%. has been something like, even going back to StarCraft, it's like, yeah. we know at least you can always fall back on that they're good players. Like, you can at least fall back on the championships, the high placings. But again, like, a theme throughout this entire show has been like iteration. It's like, just try, try and find out, like, figure out a way to kind of tap into their personality and be able to showcase that to the fans and to humanize them because. They're not just, you know, I think we're hopefully, knock on wood, we're past this idea that the Koreans are just like this, this mindless like robot, you know, professional, right. you know, amazing esports, you know, machines. And they're people. Yeah. Show that they're people. They're, they're people not just 55 percent. Yeah. yeah, sure. They're not just a statistic in the league. They're not just, you know, a person. I mean, they're not just a machine. They're a person and they have feelings. and They have personality. It's like, give me a last dance of a, a team, not just these these trife like cliched you know tsm knockoff reality shows that are half like just highlights it's like show me the realness and right. i think you unlock a lot yeah and look even for us too like 
this is a tricky situation for us because like, we want to do more, but given the practice schedule, mm. it's hard mm-hmm. for us to do it. Mm-hmm. So we need, you know, kind of a everybody, you got to show up to this thing and it's going to be a pain in the ass and all the players are going to be like, oh, I hate this. Why are yeah. we doing mm-hmm. this? But like, you got to do it. You know, that's part yeah. of part the of game. Right? No, that's yeah. your job. You know, yeah. It's part of being an, I, an athlete. The one thing that Within I uh, that I learned that I kind of like really, really took to heart when I watched The Last Dance was when Jordan said, you know, I play this game for free. It's all the other shit that I get paid for. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and like that to me is kind of the mentality that I think we should be trying to push is that mm-hmm. like, you know, the game, everybody loves it as a passion for it. And we sh- I don't I never question people's passion for the game. Right. But like, well, they have a lot of people are now realizing is that like the content is part of that's the stuff where they deserve the salary and, you know a lot of the other mm. thing right that's the work that's, that's the, the work. stuff that nobody wants to do yeah. right yeah um and yeah it's, i hope for more man like I, I also think it's on us too as an org especially out of soul like we should be doing more we should be telling better player stories like i should be showing up to more interviews um mm. Um, podcasts and stuff. So yeah, we gotta do. We all gotta do better. It's not like I'm blaming the league or anything. It's like no. all of us gotta do a better job of like telling yep. these stories. Uh, and we were surprised. So recently, our um, we're now sponsored by Douyu, which is a Chinese streaming platform. Mm. Uh, and they really, really wanted our players to stream on the platform. And they started doing it. And there was like a huge fan base, it, even though the game is maybe not that popular in China, like compared to league anyway. But like. There's a huge fan base of our players there. And we realized, shit, like we should have done this earlier, mm-hmm. you know, and like the players started getting into it. They get paid a little extra, you know, sure. Uh, sure. and so they were like, oh, like it, it was, it, it clicked in my head. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot that we could be doing better, you know, mm-hmm. even to our Chinese audience, uh, mm-hmm. to the American audience and, you know, and uh, everybody should. 100%. One, one last thing, because I know, you know, yeah, we're running out of time and we don't want to keep you, keep you for too long. Um, I wanted to kind of double back on the smart money, bad money kind of topic. And I think there's this ongoing talking point within the esports space that we're probably due for a market correction. Um, is that a, a theory or idea that you prescribe to that, you know, the the salaries, the the amount of money being sunk into this is just too high right now. And we're still chasing that 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 funding and we're not really getting a return. Or is there just not enough suits coming on and, and talking about like the reality of things? It, do you think there's a market correction incoming? Uh, so I, I, I haven't really reformulated this theory or thought that I had sure. in my head. But I, my, I had prescribed from last year, I was saying that the winter is coming. The esports winter is yeah. coming. Uh, and I still believe it will. Um, as in, there's going to be a lot of organizations and there's going to be a lot of leagues that no longer exist in the next two three years right um and i think you're now gonna you're now seeing it so my view is that you're gonna see more consolidation and a clear separation of the leagues the teams and probably the players that matter so you're gonna have fewer leagues fewer teams right and so you're gonna have fewer players unfortunately right Mm -hmm. um but maybe those top salaries get even higher sure but it means fewer people get professional salaries in esports because there's mm. going to be fewer teams around because i look i i think there's a lot of teams that are really struggling right now um sure. that aren't selling sponsorships that aren't creating new business lines uh and yeah i've 
100% believe that a lot of esports teams, a lot of esports leagues that aren't working, they won't be around, right? And, and, and just to, to kind of qualify that, this isn't because of COVID. This is only expedited because of COVID, right? I think Corona, COVID actually uh, gave an excuse, but it's yes, not. Exactly. It's that's why I want to clarify. COVID. Right. Yeah. The trends were already happening. So that's, that's one thing that I think is the other pattern that I've noticed has been what COVID does, it fast forwards patterns and meta patterns that were mm. already in place, right? Yeah. You, you knew that launching movies only in theaters made no sense, yeah. right? Yeah. But Antiquated. now with, with this happening, now they're on Netflix. Now mm-hmm. they're launching on Netflix or on iTunes simultaneously. That's yeah. the new business model. It like took the shift, right? Yep. Yep. You knew that retail stores, like why does Sears still exist? I don't know, but like <laughs> it just fa- it fast forwarded. Or else, making to get my riding Boy. mower. Uh, yeah. I, I hope we we're, I hope our sales team is not pitching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check Sears off the, the list. Sears esports. Yeah, yeah. Our Sears but, but esports corner on Numbani. But it's fast forwarded everything that mm. had to be done, or it from the the tradition. The average uh, viewer of baseball is sixty years old, right? All the traditional sponsors are like, well. Yeah, we should probably do something digital now. And so they've now shifted to now focus on it. So to sure. me, in a lot of the things that I'm noticing, it's actually fast forwarded the trends that were already in place. Mm. And it also made the trends harsher and more difficult to deal with. True. Right. So it just tilted you. Right. So yeah. it's kind of like the Shumter's like creative destruction thing where it's, you're going to see the clear separation. And I, it's, it's it's going to be scary. People are going to lose their jobs. Yep. People are going to, you know, but it's one that is necessary for us to be successful as yep. an industry. I think we'll come out the end yeah. a better a better system. I think we'll come yeah. out much much better for it. Yeah. Weird. And, and I think you know the one thing that I should say is that like everybody got to help each other when they mm. lose their job or whatever. Yep. Like cause yep. every you know everybody goes through it at some point or some version of it. So. Everybody's got to at least like look out for each other and, you know, really meaningfully help each other. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. What a hopeful, what a hopeful little note to end on. Help each other. <laughs> I've been reading all these like self-help, like <laughs> uh. actualization books, you know? <laughs> Love it. No, it was great. Uh, uh, Arnold, before we do like sign off for the day, we always love to give, um, uh, our guests on the show, an opportunity to give a message out to the Soul Dynasty fans, the Gen G fans who tuned in. So many of you in chat, by the way, and tuning in. Thank you so much for hanging out and being here. Hope you had fun. Uh, but take a brief moment and kind of, you know, a little message to your fans, if you will. Uh, look, I just want to say, you know, especially to the fan base, like, you guys are incredible. Um, the stuff that I've seen, the cheering, telling us we suck, like every single piece, like it, it's, I wake up so excited every morning. I, I know our staff wakes up every morning so excited too because of the fans. So, you know, I, I, I just want to thank all our fans, uh, you know, and I know sometimes we don't have the competitive success, but they've stuck through. And, you know, one thing that we can promise is that we're 100% committed to making sure uh, that we put a good product out there for you guys. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think you're going to see like a lot of cool stuff coming from us. So uh, be excited. Uh, be loud. Tell us when we're doing stuff wrong. Uh, and yeah, feel free to message me. Feel free to tweet at me, uh, like all that kind of stuff, because we're, we're here. We're listening and we're trying our best. And 
we love working with you guys. So, and you know, we love the community. So please make sure to also support the community uh, and all the content that these guys are producing because that's that's really uh, the one area that I think we haven't done enough of a good job on, and we're gonna do a better job on it. Make me all teary-eyed. I also said this is the first interview I think that we've ever done where I actually have been. We've had guests ask us questions. Got a little <laughs> tear to my eye. That's so wholesome. Because I watch you guys and I always like want to ask stuff, but like I'm like it's a YouTube, so I'm just like oh I can't ask anything, you know. DMs open. Yeah, <laughs> weird. It's true. We do. Yeah, yeah. we do. Uh, we'll we'll answer them. Um, let's uh, let's let's get out of here though. We do need to get out of here. Arnold, you're at Arnold WH on Twitter. Anywhere else that people can follow you, stay in touch. Uh, Instagram, awon 23 You know, trying to get more follows. Trying to farm, you know, farm some clout. Uh, there you go. But wow. uh, anywhere is fine. But thank you guys. Really appreciate it. It was awesome. And glad we get a chance to do this. And hopefully we get to do a lot more cool stuff. Yes, hope so too. Dang it! I, every time I have a guest on, I just want to go buy a jersey. I'm like, you know, I do it every time. I'm just right. sold even harder. <laughs> he has a problem. He actually yeah. has a problem. I have, I have <laughs> an issue. Yeah, I have an issue. Um, before we get into the sign-offs and everything else like that, big thank you to our patron producers: <gasps> Battlecry Pin Lotion, Charlie L Audio Compass, Pork Chop, Sammy Kasha, Sixty Seven, Kuchikopi, Shara Picasso, Nathan, Your Misery, Hunter, Tain, Refine, Bean, Rex, Zane, Roger B, Fabled, Stephen, and Owen. Yo, I got like wow. at least seven or eight names. Rap God. I've got like seven or eight names that I more names that I can do, I think, on that one. Uh if you like the Ooh. show, want to support uh our, our little little podcast of love, go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. We would uh love it a ton. Joe, we got some new patrons, don't we? New patrons are Connor B, Roger B, who upped his pledge to producers. So thank you very much for that. Uh Fabled Steven upped his pledge to producer as well, or up their pledge. And uh, Owen, thank you guys so much for your patronage. Uh, Owen and, is a producer. Uh, Owen is a producer as well. So thank you guys for for you know coming in and dropping the love. Appreciate it. No foreskin four twenty this no, week. No, no memes Yiska. this week. No, no, no drops. Yes, last week Yiska threw foreskin four twenty into the yeah. the new patrons thing and made as I'm reading it. As I'm Joe reading read it, you <laughs> we didn't scoundrel. even skip a beat. Uh, yes, go. What do we have for new subs? Um, so new subs, Frodinho, friend of the show, watched uh, Overwatch League with us. By the way, if you want to hang out, we are pretty much always watching even Asia games because European time zones are actually pretty awesome for like this year. <laughs> actually, really enjoying it. Um, and then Grow Roots, which I recognize to be a guy who only communicates in emojis. So, and subs, thanks for the sub. And emojis subs, and yeah, subs. That's, <laughs> that's the only way that they communicate um yeah cool uh no new five-star itunes review but if you're like hey i can't i can't send you guys money how else can i support go to itunes and leave a five-star itunes review and leave a little message and we'll thank you on the next show you can find me everywhere at twitch.tv slash kick tripod twitter.com slash kick tripod i actually have a dedicated creator facebook page now did you know that that was a thing <sighs> i don't know Got to get my got to get that fifty plus demo up there, you know. And it's weird, dude. Facebook, I don't want to care about this. I don't. Yeah, but yeah. Th their CTR is nuts. Nuts. It's actually nuts. Nuts. Instagram. I'm doing Instagram as well now. Kick uh, at Kick Tripod, and I do have my own YouTube now. So uh, you could find the show. 
no TikToks because I value my privacy. <laughs> Although I guess Facebook, it doesn't really matter. Ready. But like, let's be real. TikTok is like the most oh unhealthy like social media tracking type thing i've ever seen what a boomer life. what a boomer never seen no 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 we're millennials get it too millennials don't get tiktok either that's just straight straight up gen gen z zoomer type stuff um no tiktoks but who knows maybe a tiktok i have a tiktok i just haven't tiktoked Ooh. haven't mm. tiktoked i mainly just send inappropriate ones to my wife I think we should crowdsource the TikTok dance that you do next. That's yeah, what's gonna that's happen. It. That's the content. All right, <laughs> that's the content. Um, but yeah, I, I do have my own YouTube channel now, and I'm actually doing my first ever product review of a, a brand new audio product that hasn't been released yet, and the company reached out and asked me to review it. So that'll be on Thursday. Um, I don't even have a URL for it yet. I think it's. I don't even just search for kick tripod on YouTube now, I guess. I don't have I don't have a URL and I haven't made a pretty one for it yet. Um so yeah. Sorry that took so long. Joe, shout out to the week. Where can people find you? Um you can find me on all the socials. Um it's at Volmel everywhere. Um this week a lot of Overwatch. Valorant is still kind of seeding the esports land, so we'll we'll get to that. We'll revisit that when the time comes. But uh Got uh, a profile of a player that's doing very well currently, coming this uh, this weekend, and a couple meta pieces talking about you know things around the league, not necessarily players, but just around and in the league. So stay tuned for that. Which uh, and I'll which make sure player is going to be uh, inconsistent yeah. this week. Oh no no no! Nobody's yeah. inconsistent. Nobody's lazy. You know no no shade here. No shade for me at least. Not until you know we'll see what next <laughs> you know, week. Not until all ranks. blows over. I get it. All right. Sure. Uh, Yiska, what about you? Shoutouts for the week. Where can people find you? Um, so in terms of Overwatch, um, I have one feature I'm kind of looking forward to. Got a bunch of coach feedback there. Uh, it's on the on the necessity of breaks. Um, just like asking how they f how they used it, what it did to the to to them, um, and kind of lobbying for them as well. Um, and. Um, there will also probably be a feature on, I mean, I can talk about it like, uh, a, in my opinion, underrated player for a while, Void, and we'll see what else. The GOAT. Just kidding. <laughs> we'll find, we'll see. Uh, cool. All right, chat. We are out of here. Hope you had a ton of fun today. Find us everywhere at Tactical Crouch, twitter.com slash tactical underscore, underscore crouch. Big thank you again to Arnold for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Had a ton of fun, and uh, we'll have to do it again soon. We will see you Wednesday for our preview of Summer Showdown Week 2. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.